0: If you have your Bible tonight, and you would, find 1 Kings chapter 3. As we're going through the book of 1 Kings, we've been looking at some tough stuff. Stuff where we're looking at how to lead in a broken world. It's one thing to read books on parenting, or read books on marriage, or how to manage your money. It's another thing when you deal with that in the real world, where it takes two to tango, or it takes a co-worker to try to ruin your life, to... Put your faith to the test. But chapter 3 is probably one of the most exciting chapters in the Old Testament. Not from a violent standpoint or a conquest standpoint, but it is an encouragement to us as we face difficult decisions, challenges in our life. I was just thinking about parenting today that for the first time in 12 years, I do not have a child that is nursery age. For the first time in 12 years, and I'm not going to say amen, but brother, I'm thinking it, alright? Uh, and I just think about what how difficult I thought that was for my wife to have to get our children here by herself all of these years. And me being here early, and then I start to think about what we're getting ready to face is going to be so much more difficult than getting them to church On time, or to make sure that we don't leave them here, as almost has been the case a few times over the years. But I just think about the struggles. I think about the world that we live in as it is becoming more and more difficult and contrary to the things that God would have. How to be salt and light in a world when the world hates the things of God. But yet, in chapter three, we see a young man who is unqualified, he has no confidence. And he is looking at the task of leading a four million nation. And he needs help. And God shows up. And tonight, whatever your need is, whether it is to be a godly example for your grandchildren, to know how to be the husband or wife that God wants you to be, to be the parent that God wants you to be, to be the church that God wants us to be, tonight I want to encourage you with something. God is willing to reveal Himself to us. The Bible tells us that God brings the plans of the prideful to ruin, that God resists the proud, that God confuses the wicked. But what does He say to those who really want to hear from Him? What is God's promise to me as a father if I really am willing to seek God and to hear from God about trying to raise six young women into people who love God, who know how to look for a man someday that will love them and care for them and be the husband that God wants them to be? Well, there are two verses I want you to see from the Old Testament and New Testament to encourage you tonight. The first one comes from Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. It doesn't say that the Lord hides wisdom, that He confuses wisdom. He what? Gives it. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of His saints. He is willing to give understanding, wisdom, and protection for those who want it. Those who will seek Him. And tonight as a church I ask that. Is that what we want from God? As a father, is that what I really want from God? As a husband, is that what I really want for God? Or will I only want it when it all falls apart? That's been the hardest thing as a pastor is for me to watch so many people know what's right and not do it. To watch so many people headed down the wrong path and be praying for them and trying to encourage them and trying to preach to them and then to watch the train derail. And and so many times it's a family, it's I don't know why my kids don't want to come to church. Well, it's because you never made them. Or, I don't understand why we're broke and we're financially in ruins and it's because you wouldn't stop spending money. Or whatever the issue is, when we see from God's Word that many of the heartaches, not all of them, but many of the trials and tribulations that we go through, we bring on ourselves. Life is hard enough with the trials that we have no control over. But when it is our own doing. Tonight, as a parent, you've probably looked at your kids and thought the same thing. Oh, I don't want them to go that way. Oh, I don't want them to date that person. Oh, I don't want them to make that decision. And you try to counsel them. You try to guide them. Sometimes you even threaten to beat them within an inch of their life. But yet they do it anyway, and you see the heartache. Friends, I believe that's how God views His people. James, the first chapter, in verses 5 through 6, talks about it in the New Testament. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. That means that God gives it generally, God gives it abundantly, God gives it more than we need, and without reproach. God doesn't correct us with the initial wisdom. God gives us what is best for our life. Reproach comes when we don't listen to the wisdom of God. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Tonight, this is not saying something like Joel would teach you that God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise But God does want you to be wise. The healthy part, that's not always in the cards. The wealthy part, that's not always in the cards. But you can always be wise. That's encouraging tonight. Because I don't have to go through life like Ray Charles. I don't have to go through life blind. I don't have to go through life deaf to the things of God. I can know the word and promises of God for my life. I said all of that tonight because I want you to see the perfect example of that played out. And so if you would pray with me, we will begin. Father, tonight you are the answer. Your word is the answer. Lord, the working and moving and power of your spirit is the answer. Tonight, Father, I thank you for those who have been able to come, those who are not able to, Lord, but are watching. Lord, I pray for protection, safety as we leave this place in just a few minutes. Lord, I pray that you would continue to have your hand on this church and you would work. And Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write these down with me tonight. God spoke to Solomon when he was where God wanted him to be. Now, don't miss that tonight. God spoke to Solomon when he, that's Solomon, was where God wanted him to be. It never ceases to amaze me when people won't read their Bible, won't go to church, won't have family devotion, and then they are constantly saying, I don't know what God wants for my life. Look what Solomon shows us here in verses 1 through 4. Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter, Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of his father David except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. Now we see in the Old Testament that offering sacrifices at the high places was wrong. After they completed the temple and the tabernacle, it became even more serious. But what we see from this passage of Scripture is that Solomon wasn't perfect. Look, Solomon married a woman, Pharaoh's daughter, who was the most powerful political marriage the world had known at this point. He didn't marry for love. He didn't marry because God told him to. He married because she was the daughter of the other most powerful empire in the world. And when the two bullies line up with each other, no one picks on them. He married someone who wasn't in God's purpose and plan. But also, look what it says here. He was still offering in the places that he shouldn't be offering. So, his worship wasn't perfect. And so, tonight, I want you to know something that when God gives wisdom, it's not because you're perfect, it's not because you've never made a mistake. It's not because you've mishandled what God's given you. Whatever brokenness, whatever pain, whatever sin you bring to the table tonight and you say, God, I know I've messed up. God, I know I've fallen short. God, I know I've sinned. God, I have made a mess of this. That does not disqualify you from what God has next. That just means it's time to repent and to humble ourselves because in verse 3 is where everything gets right. And Solomon loved the Lord. Tonight I ask you that. Regardless of your past, regardless of your failures, regardless of the sin, regardless of your scars, tonight are you willing to come and say, God, I need you. I want you. I love you. I can't make it without you. Because tonight if that's how you come, whatever brokenness, pain, struggle you come with, God says that doesn't define you. But tonight that's how you got to come. You can't come saying, God, I know I need you, but our marriage is a mess, and that's just the way it is. God, I know I need you, our kids are a mess, that's just the way it is. God, I need you, but boy, I've made some sinful choices. You have to believe that when God forgives you, God forgives you. You've got to believe that when God forgives you, not only does He forgive you, but the Bible says that He forgets. Tonight, if you will come open and honest to the Lord, you come with a fresh start. You come with a clean slate. And so he says here, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statute of his father David. And so we see his heart. But look at verse 4. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. David, his father, taught him to love God, to worship God. David was not perfect. David was a sinner saved by the grace of God. He was a sinner that made some humongous mistakes. He was a sinner that ruined marriages. He was a sinner that brought a census into Israel and thousands of people died. But yet, his mistakes, his failure, his sin did not define what God thought of him. And so he goes to the place that he's supposed to go and he encounters the Lord. Tonight I want to give you three examples of that. First, personally. If you want to hear from God, you have to personally make a decision that you're going to spend time with Him. In Psalms chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law he meditates day and And night. That does not mean you're going to hear from God by having a one verse devotion. That means you've got to get in the Word of God. You've got to study the Word of God. You need to be listening to the Word of God. You need to be praying the Word of God. Listen, I'm not against reading one verse a day. I'm not against the two chapters read the Bible uh, through the year. What I'm telling you is if you want to hear from God, you've got to get along with God and you've got to meditate on it. That means you've got to think about it. That means you've got to study it. That means you've got to take notes about it. You've got to let the Word of God work in your life. Adrian Rogers gives this example. He says, if today you were to make the decision to quit eating, except for one time a week, only when it rains or when you have nothing else to do, you were going to go to one specific restaurant and eat in that little 30-minute window, what would happen to you physically? You would die. You would wither up and die if you ate once a week for 30 minutes, and most of the time, you don't even show up every week. Now, I know I'm preaching to the Sunday night choir here, to the people who brave the weather, but I'm telling you, I know people that sit on church seats or pews and never open the Word of God. You are starving yourself spiritually. You are not going to hear from God unless you are intaking what God is saying from His Word. How about this? As a family, you say, Jake, don't go messing with our families. This is what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. When you spend God with time with God alone, it affects your heart. And out of it affecting your heart, you shall teach them diligently to your children. That means consistently. That means constantly. That means on a schedule and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. We shouldn't expect our families to hear from God unless we are where God wants us to be when we should be there. So, personally, as a family, and then corporately, as a church, we shouldn't expect to hear from God if we're not willing to spend time with Him, time with Him as a family, and then time with Him as a group. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That means if you're saved, you're a child of God, God can work in you, God can work through you, but He wants us to be together so that we can work through this together not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. That means encouraging one another. That means reminding one another. That means correcting one another to do what? And so much more as you see the day approaching. I get in a lot of trouble by talking about how you ought to be in church on Sunday night. You ought to be in church on Wednesday night. You ought to have daily devotions. But I want you to know something. If a pastor doesn't do that, He is not exhorting you to be who God wants you to be. So when a pastor says you ought to have less church, you ought to meet less often, it's not a matter of personal preference. It's a disobedience to God's command. It is my job to encourage you to be together, to worship together, to sing together, to study together. And if I do not do that, I am being unfaithful. And so tonight I ask you, are you where God wants you to be that when He chooses to speak, when He chooses to move, when He chooses to work, that you're there? How many times has God been working through a sermon and I've thought, oh man, if that family was just here this morning, they just asked me that question. What does the Bible say about this? And if you know something, I do not know every answer to every question that is ever asked, all right? I have to Google Bible questions just like you do. All right, but someone will ask me on a Saturday night, what does the Bible say about this? Well, I'm not really sure. Let me study it. And the very next day, the sermon's all about that very same topic. And I'll be like, man, they're going to get their answer. And then I'm like, oh, no, they're not here. How many times has God wanted to speak, but yet we're not where we should be? How many times has God's Word had something for us, but yet we've skipped that part of our personal Bible study? I'm thankful that God can find us no matter where we are, but it makes it much more effective for us to be where God wants us to be while He works. The second thing I want to show you from this passage of Scripture tonight is God wants to work in your life when He has given you a purpose. God wants to work in your life when He has given you a purpose. And tonight, if you are still here and still breathing, God has a purpose for you. And so because He has a purpose, He is willing to show up and show out. Look at verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David my father because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child, most likely between 18 and 22 years of age. I do not know how to come out or go in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great number, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore give to your servant the understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil, For who is able to judge this great people of yours? You see, God had called him to that. David recognizes, Solomon recognizes that God loved David first. And many of the blessings that Solomon was receiving were not because of Solomon, but were because of David. And tonight I want you to know that if you had godly, Christ-honoring parents, many of the blessings that you have received have been a rollover from them. And as a church tonight, I always get a kick out if I had someone this afternoon going, man, everything's going well. Man, we're so proud of what's going on out there. And you know what I said? The foundation for what is going on today was laid long before I ever got here. I said, if you want to really brag on somebody who deserves most of the credit for what's going on here, one, it's God. And two, it is the crazy old man that will be here to preach in March. I say that with all the love and respect that I can give. Because if I would have went through what he went through, I'd have cut and run. But he said, no, I'm going to stay. I'm going to do what God called me to do because it was funny because that very same person proceeded to then talk about how much they didn't like him. And I said, buddy, I think you got all your facts right, but that's between you and the Lord. Friends, you have to know something that if you'll do what God has asked you to do, you might not ever see the blessings of your obedience, but your children might. Your grandchildren might. You have to be willing to stand in the gap to be who God wants you to be. David wasn't perfect. David made a mess of things. But God said, I'm going to bless your family because of your love for me. As a father, that's all I want. I want God to use me to, to, use me to make a difference spiritually in my kids' life. And I hope that's through blessings. I hope that God blesses me and it overflows to them. But you know what? If it means not blessing me so that he blesses them, I'm okay with that. Right? That's what we always say as parents. We want our kids to have it better than we did. And that's great financially. I hope that you can do that. But you know what I really want for my kids? I want God to use them much bigger than he uses me. I want God to be with them in the valley much more than He's with me. I want God to work and move and to bless and to pour out His favor on them much more than me. Because why? I love them much more than I love me. And tonight I ask you that because Solomon admits to God, Hey, I know this. Tonight are you willing to say, God, I didn't earn this. I couldn't have worked for this. You've just blessed me. God, I don't know why you've done it, I don't know how you've done it, but God, you've done it, and I'm thankful. Solomon had a thankful heart. But not only did he have a thankful heart, he recognized that he could not do it on his own. And so tonight, do you have a thankful heart, and do you have a humble heart? As a pastor, it's the prayer that I make the most in my personal prayer life is, Lord, I have no idea what I am doing. I went to seminary, but they didn't prepare me for any of this. And the things that come up didn't prepare me for any of this. And I have to recognize to God, I do not know what I am doing. And if you don't do it, it won't get done. Tonight I ask you, are you willing to come to God and say that? Lord, I know that I am not able. Because he goes on and then he brags about God again. God, you've put this beautiful, wonderful nation together. You're chosen people. Millions of people together for your purposes and your plans and to accomplish all of these great things. And then you entrusted them to me. Not that he was God, but he was the under-shepherd. Just like you're not responsible for your family, God ultimately watches over them, but he has entrusted them to you. While everything you own, all your resources are God, He has entrusted them to you. And tonight I hope that you realize that is a big task. That has serious weight tonight. The children and grandchildren that God has blessed you with, tonight do you see the significance of who they are and who they could be in Christ. So in verse 9, when He asks for what He asks for, I think it is important... Because he says, therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. He, When he asks for it, he doesn't ask it for himself. He says, God, whatever you can use me for to bring you the most glory, that's what I want. But I'm telling you what, I am sure there was a selfish part of that too. Lord, I don't want to mess this all up. Or I don't want this to crash and burn under my watch. I mean, he had seen this nation almost tear itself apart multiple times and even his dad couldn't keep it together. Absalom rebelled when King David was on the throne, when he was at a position of strength and King David wasn't enough. King David as his deathbed wasn't enough on his own to keep Adonijah from stealing the throne. And here's Solomon. He's not been through the battle. He's not been through the betrayals. He's not been through the wilderness. He's not lived in a cave like King David. He's not had Saul brought to his doorstep. And everybody says, just take him out. And David says, nope, I'm not touching the Lord's anointed. Solomon grew up in the palace. He had missed the wilderness. He had missed all of the ways that God had provided. And tonight, if you're here and you're saying, Jake, I know that God's faithful. I've been through the valley. I've been through the storm. I've been through it all. Tonight, don't forget that your children might not ever see that. And the faith that you pass on to them is the faith that they're going to have in Him. That's why it's so important for you to praise God and what He's done in your life with your kids and your grandkids. Because some of them might never go through that abusive, drunken home that you were raised in because you made that commitment. Not in my house. You might have been raised in a home where your parents were, were always fighting, always carousing, always running around, and you and your wife have made the commitment. Well, we might have problems, but we're not going to have it in front of them. They've not been through the wilderness. They've not been in the cave. They've not been in the valley. And so you have to teach them and train them and declare to them that God is faithful there. Now, we're going to know something. Solomon finds out about that. It was because of his own sin. I think of my own parents when I was growing up. Neither one of my parents were raised in church. They took themselves when they were kids. I don't think they're here tonight so I can say this. They're probably watching, but that's okay. They can forgive me. They, they did not have Christian parents. They were not raised in a Christian home. They didn't have the wonderful privilege that I did. I never seen my parents sneaking around drinking. I never seen my parents sneaking around fighting. They were the same way at church as they were at home. They were not perfect. I had a blessed life, and about 16-year-old, I thought, well, I know what is better than them, the world. And so at 22 years old, when God had got a hold of me, He said, you are an idiot. You had never been through the wilderness. You had never seen the heartache of sin. You had never seen all this junk, but yet you put yourself there. And so now as a parent, I'm trying to protect my kid from not the things that my parents brought into my life, but that I brought into my own life. Trying to teach them, hey, I know it looks appealing. Hey, I know it looks like everyone's having fun. But I'm telling you, it will ruin your life. I I know they might look dreamy, right? My oldest one's not quite there, but she's starting to, I think, you know, hey, I could date somebody at some point, you know. And I watch these long-headed, hairy-legged losers all over. No, I'm just kidding. And I think, not that one, and not that one, and not that one. And I know they seem like they've got every answer, and I know they seem like they're going to conquer the world, but they're probably going to have a big old fat gut accomplishing nothing, right? Leave them alone. But right in their eyes is, oh, he is just so dreamy. But you just don't know what that can do to your life, how it can affect you. Wait for the person that God has for you. Tonight, don't stop giving God the praises for what He's done and pray that God keeps him from the valley. The last thing tonight I've, I've rambled a little bit but that's okay. First Kings chapter 3 starting in verse 10 the last thing I want you to show you tonight is God gives some promises unconditionally and some with conditions. Don't miss that. God gives some promises unconditionally and some come with conditions. Starting in verse 10 The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words, see, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall anyone like you arise after you. And I also have given that you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. God gives him two things and gives no strings attached. Listen in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 28. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered and they feared the king for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Everybody sees, hey, he's wise. God says, I'm giving you that wisdom, no strings attached. He also says, I'm going to give you these other things, riches, honor, peace, no strings attached. Listen to what it says in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 41 and 42. Now the rest of the Acts of Solomon, all that he did, and his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the Acts of Solomon? And the period that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was 40 years. So he prospered above and beyond what this book even tells us. So he had the wisdom, he had the wealth, he had the fame. He had all of those things, and they were unconditional promises. Just like tonight, if you are a child of God, God has given you unconditional promises. He has saved you, He has forgiven you, He has written your name in the Lamb's book of life, and you will not lose that. He cannot take that away from you tonight. When God adopted you into His family, He promised that He would never not love you. You cannot be unadopted in the family of God. But in verse 14, He gave him a promise that was conditional. That is why tonight I disagree with the fact that God is not movable with our prayers. That God has everything planned out, programmed out, and there is no altering or moving God's thought. I believe that God responds to the prayer of His people. I believe that God gives us the ability to choose. Because look what it says in verse 14. So if, so if you walk in My ways to keep My statutes and My commandments as your father David walked, then... I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. Now don't think that I don't believe that God is sovereign. That God knows what's going to happen. God is in control. God has a purpose and a plan. I agree with that. But did you hear what he said? so if... The first two promises were unconditional. He said, you're getting this no matter what. But the third one, you only get it if you do this this way. Now this is very important because in 1 Kings chapter 11, starting in verse 11 through 12, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this. God says, I offered you this. I said you could have this. And you said no. It's just like when Joshua or Moses looked out at the children of Israel over the different times and said, choose this day whom you will serve. It's like when Jesus looked out over the city of Jerusalem and said, oh, how many times I have wanted to draw you near to Myself. Because you have done this and not kept my covenant and my statutes, what I commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. I don't miss that. We know that when King Solomon dies, the kingdom is torn apart. But I want you to see how the blessings of a parent can be moved and worked by God. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father, David. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. God doesn't even say, Solomon, I'm going to do this because I like you. I'm going to do this because of who? Your dad. Friends, today, if you don't think it matters, the life and faith that you impart to your children, you are lying to yourself. If you don't think the blessings this church receives are many times because of the faithfulness and obedience of God's people in the generations before us, you are lying to yourself. I say all of this tonight because I want you to know that serving God, honoring God is not a sprint, it's a marathon. In 1 Kings chapter 11, it's a pretty large text and I want to read it all tonight because I want you to see how far we can fall when we do not take the wisdom of God serious. As a church tonight, you say, Jake, we couldn't ask for anything more. We're seeing people saved. We're seeing new families every week. We've seen God work in so many ways. None of it has to continue. You say, Jake, my family, God has protected us. He's been with us. He's taken care of us. He's done all of these things for us. None of it has to continue. Tonight I ask you, are you willing to serve God for the long haul even through the ups and the downs? Because Solomon was not willing to. Solomon let the things of the world tear him from God until the very end. And then you can read the book of Ecclesiastes and see that he says everything is meaningless unless it's done in the Lord. But listen to how he gets led astray in 1 Kings chapter 11, starting in verse 1. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, "You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you." Surely, that's a guarantee. That is a. This is going to happen. They will turn away your hearts after their gods. It was prohibited from the king in the Old Testament to have foreign wives. But Solomon said he knew better. What does it profit for us to serve God for everyone else but mess it up for ourselves? Tonight I ask you that. Are you willing to let the wisdom of God change your home and your life first? It even goes on in that verse and says Solomon clung to these in love. That gives the idea of when the Bible says that a husband shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. It gives us this idea that God did not want them together. God did not put them together. God did not want to keep them together. But Solomon said, this is my sin. This is my choice. I'm hanging on no matter the cost. It gives us the impression that throughout Solomon's life, God tried to correct him, tried to bring him back tried to turn him in the right direction, but he clung to the women in his life. He clung to the idolatry in their life. Friends, I want you to know that there is a time to hang on. There is a time to not quit. There is a time to keep fighting, to keep keeping on when the going gets tough. But when it's hanging on to your sin, all you are doing is destroying your life. God says lay it down. God says flee from it. In verse 4 it says, For it was so when Solomon was old that his wife turned his heart after others' God. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the god of the Sidians, after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. That is the god that sacrificed children. Solomon participated in child." sacrifice. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built high places for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to the gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning the things that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, and those are the verses I read to you, But go down to verse 13, and I want you to hear this again. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Now the Lord, don't miss this, the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon, Hadad the Edomite. He was a descendant of the king in Edom even though Solomon had messed so much up, even though Solomon had made a mess of everything, God says there's going to be consequences for your sin, but I'm not totally done with you. And friends, I want you to hear that because so many times we need to know that while we cannot lose the presence of God, we cannot lose our salvation in God, that the earthly consequences of sin are real. And Solomon recognizes this when the kingdom is going to be torn away from him but it's going to be after he's gone. Friends, I want you to know that I believe there are many families today that are having struggles today because of the sins of previous generations. You say, Jake, what does that look like? Sometimes it means a father that was an alcoholic teaches his kid to be an alcoholic and he can't just drink one. Sometimes it's one of father is not faithful to a wife and a woman grows up with issues with her father and is no longer faithful to her husband sometimes those sins will affect generations and you can see it in our own community you might be able to see it in your own family but tonight I want you to see something that even though it all got messy and even though it all got broken God said I'm not going to abandon you totally I'm going to leave you one tribe and one descendant because one of these days I'm going to send Jesus. I'm going to send the promised Messiah through the lineage of David. Why? Not because of anything David did. Not because of anything Solomon did. It is because I made a promise that I was going to crush the head of the serpent. And that required a perfect Messiah. And so tonight I want to give you a word of encouragement. I don't know if you're the Solomon at the beginning of his reign or the Solomon at the end of his reign. Tonight, if you want the mercy and wisdom of God, you can have it. Tonight, if you're willing to say, Jake, I want things to be different for my kids. I want to be a blessing to not only my generation, but the generations to come after me. Tonight is the night. You say, well, Jake, my kids are grown. My kids are already a mess. Then let God work in your grandkids. Let God continue to work through you to reach your rebellious kids. Tonight, believe that if wisdom really is all that God promised to be, it's worth it. But tonight, it's got to start with you saying, I love you, Lord, more than anything. Lord, I need you more than anything. That means tonight, if you've never been saved, tonight could be that night where you repent of your sins, call upon the name of the Lord, and experience the new birth. But tonight, knowing most of you, knowing your relationship with the Lord. It's not a question of I need to be saved. It's Lord, I just need your wisdom in every area of my life and trusting that God can do amazing things. Father, we thank you so much for your word. I pray tonight, Lord, that you would again work and move as only you can. Lord, I pray tonight for your saving power, your deliverance, Lord, your provision, all the things that only you can do. Lord, tonight we trust you in our brokenness, our fallenness. And Lord, we are thankful that you are so, so good to us. Tonight, Lord, I not only pray for this time of invitation, but also the time of travel tonight, Lord, that you'd give us safety. And Lord, that you'd work all for your glory. And Lord, I ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.